Hello, I'm your host, Gulveig, and you're listening to Be The Whole You, where we break free of the matrix one episode at a time. Just as a friendly reminder, all of the information in this episode is for personal development only and is not intended to be medical or financial advice. Hello, and welcome back to Be The Whole You. I'm your host, Gulveig. Today I'll be covering a topic that I'm so excited about and one that I personally feel is absolutely at the core of exploring what it means to know the whole you. And that is, what is the difference between imagination and intuition, and how do we create a trusting relationship with these mystical and often misunderstood superpowers? It is such a cultural tragedy that we are programmed at such an early age to dismiss our imagination as quote-unquote not real, and our intuition as unreliable. In this episode, I will explain how this perspective literally keeps us trapped into using only half of our brain. We will bring together science and spirituality as we explore what the role is for both sides of our brain, what the difference is between imagination and intuition, and finally, a fun exercise that can assist us in creating a trusting marriage between the logical and intuitive aspects of our consciousness. If you've ever asked yourself if it's your intuition or if it's, quote unquote, just your imagination, then you'll want to stay tuned. So what I'm about to say is going to probably go against what you might have been told since you were little, and that is your imagination is real and so is your intuition. They're both real. The imagination transmits information and your intuition receives information. You can think of your imagination as being the outgoing current of non-physical information and your intuition as the incoming current of non-physical information. It will be important for this episode to remember that energy follows thought because this is the reason why your imagination is so powerful. It has the ability to direct energy even to areas or situations that are beyond your physical senses or that have not yet happened. Your imagination is the most important creative tool you have. In fact, it is how you create your reality. Without the ability to first conceive of a possibility, nothing new would ever be created. Even though most of us have been taught to diminish our imaginative superpowers, chances are you've used it at some point in time maybe without knowing that you're tapping into the power of your imagination. Some common examples of this are praying and envisioning healing for a loved one who lives miles away, or imagining what it would feel like to have your ideal job as a way to manifest it. In both of these cases, we are using the imagination to direct energy and intention to create a shift in reality. Now first let me share with you a perspective that is not real. That is an illusion. And this is the common belief that logic creates reality. Trying to create new circumstances through logic is like trying to use a screwdriver to hammer in a nail. It's just the wrong tool. Why is this? Because logic can solve problems only with information that is already gathered and known by your conscious mind. Imagination, however, on the other hand, sees past the known into the potential of what might be. Shamans have known this for centuries. Shamans believe that we dream reality into being. More and more as science expands, we are realizing how true this is. 
Intuition and imagination work in much the same way, but have slightly different functions. The brain is a biological computer that receives and transmits information. We can think of the intuition as being the receiving ability of this computer, and the imagination as being the part of this computer that transmits this information. And in a moment, I'm going to go into the different sides of the brain, how they function, and how the left side of the brain functions very different than the right side of the brain. So just as a recap, just for our own purposes, intuition discovers the previously unknown, receives information, and imagination explores the possibilities and can create new reality, sending out information. So just for funsies, let's look at the different sides of the brain and their functions. The left side of the brain is analytical. It is associated with logical problem solving. It controls the right hand, so the left brain controls the right hand. And spiritually, it is associated with the Shiva. The Shiva is known as the sacred masculine, which is different from gender, and we'll talk a little bit more about what this means in a later episode. And the left brain also perceives detail and has the capacity to separate parts. The right side of the brain is associated with both intuition and imagination. It controls the left hand. It is associated with the Shakti, which is the sacred feminine, which again is different from gender. And again, we'll discuss that in a different episode where we'll explore what the sacred masculine and feminine actually are. One part that's really important here is that the right side of the brain perceives holistically, meaning that it's big picture thinking. It does not specialize in details like the left side, and this will be important later on when we discuss how the lack of detail that is often part of an intuitive experience is often the cause of self-doubt. So as we can see, the role of logic, intuition, and imagination are so different that nature had to create two different hemispheres of our brain that function in a very different way in order for us to function both as a logical being capable of analysis and an intuitive being that is capable of co-creation with the universe. We've also established the difference between intuitive and imaginative function of the brain. So now let's talk about how the intuition and imagination works. And folks, this is where it gets weird and fun. We've mentioned several times that the right side of the brain is sending and retrieving information. So where does the brain retrieve and send non-physical information? Much of what we are sensing is from the astral realm. So what exactly is the astral realm? Well, just like your computer can retrieve information from a cloud drive, we can think of the astral realm as being like the cloud for global consciousness. It holds energetic blueprints that organize the physical world. The astral realm is the realm that holds the patterns for three-dimensional life as we know it, as well as the blueprints for life as it might be. And I personally refer to these patterns as blueprints. So let me give an example of what I mean by this. If you were to build a house, you would first need to create a set of blueprints, and not just one set either. You would have to have the blueprint for the builders, you would have a plan for the electrical, the plumbing, and so on and so forth. And nowadays, you would probably save your blueprints on a cloud drive or somewhere on the internet. Without the pattern and organization of the blueprints, 
Your house building would be sheer chaos, and you might not even end up with the house at all. Just like building a house, the universe must create a blueprint first before the energy becomes three-dimensional reality. Now, these blueprints are really important, so the universe created blueprint holders. This is where many of the deities, elementals, such as dragons, pixie, elves, and other types of guides, as well as humanity's archetypes, reside. And they can be thought of as librarians of the blueprints and architects of reality. So how are you doing this? We do this in much the same way as your computer. Just like your computer retrieves non-physical information from the internet, and the hardware of your computer translates that information as an image or a message on your screen, your receptive intuition connects to a massive array of information that your brain then translates into a message via image, words, taste, smells, or audio. And just like you can choose to create a message or image on your computer and save it on a cloud, your imagination can create new programs in the form of ideas and with enough concentration may create a blueprint saving this idea in the astral realm so that the idea can become a reality. When people speak about the law of attraction, they are referring to the ability of the imagination to create new patterns, aka new ideas, and with enough concentration and affirming emotion, attract circumstances and the needed resources to bring an idea to life. One of the reasons why it can be difficult to trust intuitive information is because we receive it holistically. Details at times can be muddy. When we understand why this might be, it can help us understand how to work through this and that this lack of detail is not an indication that anything's wrong with our intuition. There are two main reasons for this lack of detail. First, the intuitive right brain is great at the overall big picture, but is not specialized in the minute details. An example of this is, let's say that someone is using remote viewing to see if they can find their lost ring. Remote viewing is a type of intuitive technique that um, allows folks to be able to see places that they're not physically at with their third eye. So they're viewing a space remotely with their third eye. And using this technique, they are able to see that the ring is under a piece of old wood. But they may not be able to discern if the old piece of wood is in their garage or their grandfather's old barn. The second reason why there are often lack of detail within the intuition is that if your intuition is picking up on an event that has not yet happened, then this event is still in the realm of potential, and the blueprints we talked about earlier are still being defined. Because of this, there may be other factors that might affect the outcome still at play, so the details have literally not been sorted out yet. Ideally, both sides of our brain are meant to work in harmony. It is not left versus right, but left and right dancing together. A belief that either side is more important than the other literally cuts our potential and capabilities in half. So here's an example of what it might look like to have both hemispheres working together. The intuitive right brain first receives information from the hidden realm of potential. The analytical left brain separates the parts to determine what resources in the physical world are needed to bring the inspiration to life. Then the imagination receives the information of what resources are not yet present to make this idea a reality. 
The person then concentrates mind and emotion on already having these resources. The resources are attracted, and then the logical mind decides the best course of action to be taken first to make the next step in bringing the idea to life. And this decision-making may require the intuition to gather more information for the analytical mind. See how that might work together? Instead of the analytical mind and the intuition fighting over who is valid and, you know, if we can trust one side or the other, they are actually working in harmony. So when the two have a trusting marriage, our creative potential is awakened. The analytical mind's job is not to create analysis paralysis with self-doubt, but to further understand the info coming in and how to best direct that information. Even if that means the best course of action is to wait and see until more information is accessible. This decision is not made from a place of self-doubt, but from a conscious and confident place. So what is required to open the intuition? Well, the very first step is to allow the logical left side to step aside and let the intuitive right side do what she does best. Just like we don't expect a screwdriver to do the same job as a hammer, we must let go of the expectation that the right intuitive side processes information and functions the same way as the analytical side. Once the intuitive right side has received the bird's eye view, so to speak, and is complete with the process, she may decide to ask the left analytical side's help with discerning the details of the information, if doing so is helpful. This all starts with quieting the mind. The more space we can create between the thoughts, the better we can receive intuitive information. Inner dialogue also plays a role in cultivating self-trust. Next time you are wondering whether or not to trust your intuition, I invite you to instead ask if the information coming in is helpful or how best to respond. This may seem inconsequential, but your mind is always listening to your inner dialogue. Staying in a place of curiosity with our intuition instead of judgment can take a lot of pressure off of this whole intuitive living thing. It may even help boost our self-trust, self-esteem, and overall peace of mind. And who couldn't use a little bit more self-nurturing, self-care, and inner kindness, right? Now, I wouldn't feel complete with this episode if I didn't mention that different factors can confuse the information. Stress, out-of-control emotions, chemicals, drugs, and physical maladies can all distort both logic as well as intuition. This is one of the reasons why those who work a lot with their intuition learn how to relax, they learn how to meditate, regulate their emotions, and why many of these folks try to be conscious of the foods and chemicals that they consume. So I know that this is a lot of information, but for as complex of a subject as it is, it's actually really simple and even fun to start playing with receiving intuitive information. So here's a little exercise that you can play with that helps to cultivate self-trust and is also really fun. First, take out an oracle or tarot deck. You can choose to take out the more intense cards in the tarot deck, such as the double card or the tower card for this exercise, because this isn't going to be a reading. Now shuffle the cards without looking at them. Keep them face down and pull one of the cards. You can hold it, you can put it to your forehead, you can do anything you want with the card as long as you don't look at the image. Now write down any thoughts, memories, emotions, physical feelings, or images that come to your mind. Anything that you might hear or smell, write it all down. 
without judging or analyzing any of it. Keep writing until the info slows down and you feel the process is complete. Now flip the card over and make a check mark by what you picked up on. Now I want to make a note here. Some of the information might seem a little off or some of it might just be your mind making space, playing, dumping. But sometimes, especially with feelings and memories that come up in this process, there may be a correlation with the meaning of the card and the feeling or memory that came up during this exercise. So you may want to look up additional info on your card to see if you actually picked up on anything else that wasn't more of a literal information, such as you see the color red and you turn the card over and the figure on there is wearing a red cape. Um, it may not be literal like that. It may be that the card is associated with the feeling of joy and you had the feeling of joy during the exercise. So take a look at the card as well as look up additional information in the card and you may really surprise yourself on what it is that you picked up on. One note about this exercise is that writing the sensations down, the actual writing part, is super important. That way we can't talk ourselves out of our intuitive findings. When folks are really surprised with this exercise, if they didn't write it down, it's really common for folks to start doubting that they actually felt what they felt. They might say something like, did I actually see or feel that? Or maybe I'm not remembering it correctly. So when we write it down, it becomes real and it, we can't gaslight ourselves out of our own tuition. With practice, you'll start to see patterns in ways that your intuition sends its messages. For example, you may notice that you feel a lot of your intuitive emotions in your belly or chest. You might notice that perhaps you see words or messages more than pictures in your mind. Or perhaps you notice that you get messages through smell or your intuition will correlate information with past memories or stories. Everyone's intuitive language is a little bit different and knowing the ways that yours most commonly speaks to you can be very helpful in identifying when it is trying to get your attention in everyday life. Learning to build trust in ourselves is just like any other skill. It's about practice, practice, practice. With a little bit of practice, we will find that we will be able to trust the holistic information of our intuition, tap into the creative potential of the imagination, and create a marriage between the two hemispheres of the brain, our masculine and feminine sides. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Join me next week where I will be discussing how to safely connect and work with a spiritual guide and ally. If you enjoyed this episode, liking, subscribing, commenting, and if you're on Spotify, rating this podcast are all ways to help others find this channel and dive into the rabbit hole. For more information and for personalized support in your spiritual journey, go to www.bethewholeu with just the letter u.com. Until next we meet again, stay curious my friends. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Be the Whole You. To make sure you don't miss an opportunity to dive into the rabbit hole, hit that subscribe button.